classic study. On Thursdays, we're going to be looking at a newer book. It's written by Timothy Keller with his wife, Kathy, and it's called The Songs of Jesus, Daily Devotional Guide uh, to the Psalms. And so each day they, in that book, they uh, share a scripture passage from the Psalms and then some devotional thoughts and a prayer as uh, they go through each of those studies. You do not have to buy those books to be uh, a part of this study and to gain from it, I hope. I encourage you to do that if you want and read uh, those chapters every day. They're very short, won't take you very long at all, especially if you read through the Bible last year and read with us through the daily Bible that we used. Uh, That's about three chapters out of the Bible, three or four chapters, along with a few comments from uh, Brother Smith, and that was uh, a lot. Uh, This will not take you nearly as long, even if you do both of those, or whatever daily devotional book you use. You may be using Sarah Young's Jesus Calling, or one in that series, or uh, Max Lucado book, or some others that are wonderful daily devotional guides. The ones I'm using are on Tuesdays, as I said, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And today, on Thursdays, we're going to be looking at um, the book on the Psalms, uh, daily devotions from uh, the Songs of Jesus, is what they called it, uh, from uh, Timothy and Kathy Keller. We're not going to look at all the chapters each week. Uh, That's impossible uh, to do in a short study. And I do want these to be short, hopefully around 15 minutes or so. Last year, uh, as we went through the Daily Bible, they were closer to 30. Uh, But uh, hopefully this will be an opportunity for you to uh, share in some daily devotions and be able to reflect on some of the things that are brought out. Uh, In this one, uh, the Songs of Jesus, actually the whole Psalms, the whole 150 chapters, are uh, read through during the year. So that's kind of a a neat thing as well. And with uh, 365 days and only 150 Psalms, you can see how it's going to be far less than what uh, we did with the Daily Bible. However, uh, today we're going to do a little bit of introduction, not much. If you want some introduction to the Psalms and some specific study on the Psalms, then I recommend you uh, look back on my Facebook page or on our westerwin.com uh, page that connects. Uh, click on connect and go to live streaming and then click on view archives and go way, way back uh, sometime around the middle of the year uh, to the book of the Psalms. And I share a lot of introductory things. So I don't want to repeat all of that. I encourage you to do that if you like. If you have any specific questions, of course, you can Facebook message me or email me or uh, whatever. That'd be great. That'd be great. But the Psalms are, are spoken of as the, the Old Testament songbook, the songbook of the Jews. But it was also a prayer book. It was a devotional book. And it was very likely the uh, songs that the early church sang as well, even in New Testament times. This was their songbook also until they began writing wonderful songs that were praises to specifically the resurrected Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead on the third day and and in whom uh, we find that redemption that the Old Testament looked ahead to. I, I, I agree with many who say that certain scriptures such as Philippians 2, 5 through 11, that wonderful passage, uh, are perhaps uh, first century songs that the church sang as they gathered together uh, and however (laughs) musical chant or whatever they did in the first century times. 
But as we begin to look through this study, um, a few introductory comments. Again, um, the Psalms are not simply to be read. The Psalms are to be experienced and they are to be put into our lives. Uh, you can pray the Psalms. Lynn Anderson, uh, the late Lynn Anderson was a wonderful man who wrote a great book on the Psalms and um, uh, talked about praying the Psalms. And I think that's right because they really are prayers. But they are also songs that tell us how to uh, be devoted to God, really in a sense, how to worship and how to deal with a lot of the situations that come uh, in our lives times. One of the things that the Kellers say in their introduction is every situation in life is represented in the book of Psalms. <laughs> and I think that's right. If you're angry, there are Psalms that help you there. They don't talk you out of your anger. They actually help you to find words to verbalize that anger. Um, if you're happy and joyful, plenty of Psalms about that. If you are uh, distressed and anxious, uh, hurting, plenty of Psalms about that. All the different emotions that we feel and experiences that we have in this life, I believe that you will find uh, some of the Psalms that will speak to that and that actually will help you uh, verbalize those things and uh, experience those things. And so I think that that's... The, as we look at the Psalms and begin this study, uh, we're reminded that they help us to understand ourselves and to verbalize our own feelings and to bring our devotion to God, but they also help us to have a better understanding of God. Uh, the Psalms really help us to see God and to understand uh, as much as humanly possible uh, the many facets of our God as well as of our uh, selves. And we're struck by the psalmists in their reverence and, and consideration of the great holiness of God. But we're also struck, I think, by the nearness that they felt toward God. They were open and honest. I entitled a sermon series that I did on the psalms here at West Irwin Church of Christ a few years ago. I entitled it Honest Worshipers. And I think that that's what the psalms uh, are. Uh, the Kellers say, left to ourselves, we pray to ourselves, about ourselves, and to ourselves. And, and, but the Psalms remind us to pray uh, to God, to sing our devotional songs to God, and to bring our uh, cares and our needs uh, to God. And then, of course, they say that uh, there's every reason to assume that Jesus would also have sung these Psalms and prayed these Psalms. And that's certainly clear. Because in the New Testament, as I've said before, the Psalms are the most quoted book from the Old Testament. And I believe that uh, the Psalms, I agree with the Kellers, that the Psalms really are the songs of Jesus and the worship in that those last days of uh, the Old Testament period. Because the Gospels bring us the words of Christ and the life of Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then starting in the book of Acts, we read about uh, the church uh, that was founded by that blood that Jesus shed for us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are church books. They are written to the church by Christians about how to live faithfully as a Christian. But they specifically focus on uh, the life and teaching and example of Jesus Christ. So again, the book will go through the uh, will in these studies. We'll go through all of the uh, psalms, and um, one of the things that they say and encourage you to do as you read a psalm is to ask three questions and write out your answers. Adore Christ. What does this call us to do in worship of Him, thanking Him, praising Him? 
admit what sins do we need to admit because the psalms certainly are upfront about that and then aspire what what do we learn about this and how can we put it in our lives um, adore admit and aspire it's kind of like uh, my uh, acronym of acts acts as a model for our prayer life uh, adoration is first we praise god first confession we confess our sins before him thanksgiving we express our gratitude to god and then finally the s of acts supplication that's when we ask god for blessings that are on our hearts so many times in our prayers we skip the adoration and confession and thanksgiving parts and just ask god for stuff and most of the time i believe it's it's good stuff it's stuff that we need to bring before him our loved ones that are ill or a job that we're hoping to get or whatever the situation might be. Uh, but let's remember also to talk to God during times and to bring our praise to him, uh, confess our sins before him and to tell God thank you for the blessings he's already given us. I think that those are the right ways to approach the Psalms. Okay, with that uh, brief introduction, <laughs> let's look at um, to the Psalms and to this devotional book by the Kellers. Let's look at Psalms 1 and 2. First of all, Psalm 1. This is really, as they call it, the uh, gateway to the rest of the Psalms, and you'll understand that as we read it. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, Psalm 1 verse 4, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What a great summary of the Psalms, calling us to worship and adore um, and obey uh, the living God who has given us this wonderful word, uh, the Bible, but also reminding us that uh, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Uh, the way Romans 6 verse 23 puts it, uh, that uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is um, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is, that is what the, really the Psalms remind us of and help us again uh, to verbalize. The psalmist calls us to delight in God's word. It's amazing that the psalmist lived under the Old Testament law, and yet at the same time, they delight in God's word. Psalm 19, Psalm 119, when we get to those, those are great psalms that express a deep, not just devotion to obeying God's word, but a deep love for God's word, a delight in God's word. And I believe this psalm is calling us to do that as well. Well, we turn to Psalm 2, and we're just going to look at these two psalms today. Um, but a couple of days of reading in their devotional book uh, deal with Psalm 2. And I think it's a very appropriate psalm for us in today's world. Here in America, uh, we, we find our government uh, going back and forth at many, uh, in, in different ways and over different issues. And for the Christian, we, we face that with a sense of anxiety, obviously, just like every other person would. But we also face it with a sense of faith. 
And that faith is expressed by the psalmist in Psalm 2. Of course, he's speaking about the king, uh, whether it's David or, or some other king of the Jews, of, of uh, the nations of Israel and Judah in the Old Testament times. But we understand that the ultimate king of kings is Jesus Christ. And uh, so as we read these words, let's try to understand both of those applications. And then we'll make a few thoughts. And I, I want to end each of our studies on Thursdays uh, with a prayer. The Kellers do that right out of prayer. Many, many uh, devotional, daily devotional books do that. Um, and so I'd like for us to end each of our Thursday sessions uh, with a prayer related to uh, the study of the Psalms that we've covered. Psalm 2, why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. If you remember our study of the Psalms last year, you, you know that there are different types of Psalms, and one of the types of Psalms is royal Psalms, Psalms about the king. And that seems to be what this one is, and some of those Psalms were probably read when a new king uh, was anointed as king, and that's likely what happens with Psalm 2. It's likely one of those that is read when a new king uh, is anointed as king, comes into power, and begins his reign. And it's interesting because um, it refers to the king as the anointed. And and that's true. The king was anointed of God. David even said when he was tempted to, to take King Saul's life or given that opportunity, he said, I would never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed, even though Saul was a, a cruel and unfaithful king. Uh, David still respected him and respected that, that call that God had given to him until, God, uh, until uh, Saul's life was taken. So it's the, this Psalm 2 seems to be talking uh, about one of those instances where a new king is in town, and invariably in Old Testament times, not, and probably similar to today, when a new person comes to power, their enemies threaten them to see, well, let's see how tough this guy really is. And that seems to be what's going on in Psalm 2. And let's look at God's response and reaction to this. Verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. One of the statements from the Psalms, many statements that is ultimately applied in the New Testament to Jesus Christ. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, in other words, reverence and delight in his son, or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. It's interesting that the Kellers, their first statement after reading uh, the first half of, of Psalm 2 is this, each day the media highlights new things to fear. And I think that's true. I believe a lot of things about the media, and I won't share all of them right now, but I will tell you this. I, I believe that they will share and say what sells and what is profitable for them. 
And that's not a, a necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they're, it's a business. So, of course, they're going to do the, the onus is on us, the people. What do we watch? What do we listen to? And what do we view? And I, I do believe that, that sensationalism sells. We saw it that way with the newspaper when we had the printed page and people watched, looked at that and, and the, the bold, bold headlines. And we see that still, whether you're on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you're uh, receiving a blog or listening to a blog or, or I mean, a podcast or whatever, um, sensationalism sells. And they're, they're judged by how many clicks their sensational headline might generate. Uh, but that's not God's way. That's not God's way. And I, I tell people today, and I've said it publicly from the pulpit, that if when you watch the news or watch a pod, listen to a podcast, or um, uh, when you're on the online and, and looking at uh, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram messages or whatever you listen to and watch, uh, if all it does is make you angry or make you afraid, if there's no other result than that, then stop doing it. Stop doing it. Because you're doing exactly what the psalmist condemns in Psalm 2. He looks at all of those who are enemies of God and who think they're going to take advantage of him and are threatening uh, to take over, and the Lord scoffs at them. Now, we may not see that ultimate deliverance uh, that the psalmist knows is coming and is there in case there's a problem, and we'll read that over and over again in the Psalms. But what we do know is that that deliverance will come and that the psalmist reminds us that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So to be intimidated by the world is, is not the way of faith. Jesus himself said in John 16, verse 33, In the world you will have trouble. I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Because even though you'll have trouble in the world, you can take heart. I have overcome the world, he says. Now he did that by giving his life. Everything looked on the surface like he had been defeated by the worldly enemies that were around him. But... It was exactly the opposite, and I think the same is true today. We can look around and we can see the chaos and the crisis and all of the anxiety in the world, but we can look at that through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of a resurrected Jesus Christ who continues to tell us, even in today's world, take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we don't put our faith in any political party, in any political leader, in any king or governor or president or whoever. That's not where our hope, that's not where our security lie. They lie in the true God, the one who is enthroned on the throne in Zion, in the presence of the Father, the one enthroned in heaven, sees all of the things, hears all of the big talk, and laughs and scoffs. And he, as the psalmist will remind us a couple of times, the Lord is in his holy temple. Uh, let all the world keep silent before him. Let's close our study this, this afternoon with prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your love. We acknowledge you and praise you, adore you, Father, as our God and creator, 
sustainer of life, but also, Father, as our Savior. Because your Son came and lived and died and rose again, we have hope. We have peace. And we even have joy. So remind us, Father, that you are on the throne. Whatever we're going through, whatever uh, the situation is, wherever we are, uh, we just ask, Father, that you would remind us uh, that the Lord reigns, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and not only that, that you are our Savior, that you are our God, and we are your people. And so, Father, we pray that you would accept our praise and our gratitude, that you would uh, forgive us of our sins, and, Father, that you would bless our communities, our nation, and our world uh, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you have a good weekend, and I will see you on Tuesday.